coming to you live from Canada. Here comes your game-changing, life-transforming, turning point moment. <clears throat> yes, this is the sign you've been looking for. You're listening to Engage City Church. Powered by hope, not hype. Online at engagechurch.ca face is this. Brave face is simply the face that you put on when you are pretending. It's the face that you put on when you want everyone to believe that everything is okay, that everything's all right, that that nothing's wrong in your life, that nothing's broken. You just want to pretend that everything's okay because we think that if we just pretend that everything's okay, number one, if we ignore it, maybe it'll clean itself up. Number two, maybe it'll let us get closer to people because we're afraid that if we try and get close to people, that when they realize how messed up we are, that they're going to pull back. But what ends up happening is we end up pulling back because the only thing worse than people realizing that we're a hot mess on the inside is them figuring out that we've been lying to them this entire time. And so the very thing that we've been trying to, to overcome is the thing that ends up happening. Our game face is something completely different. It's not a mask that we put on at all. Our game face is simply stated. Uh, us living in this moment, understanding no matter what circumstance that comes, the greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. And that as long as I'm with Jesus, it doesn't matter what comes my way. Uh, I'm all right. And I'm better than all right. I'm doing great. Even in the worst of the midst situation, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Not only is he with me, but he prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies, and he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies because I don't care who's eating at the same table as long as I'm eating with Jesus. That's what my game face is. I put on the eye black, and I get into my three-point stance, and I'm like, come at me, bro. It doesn't matter what comes at me in life because I've got Jesus. We've been looking at the book of Daniel, and I want us to start in Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Daniel 3, verse 1, King Nebuchadnezzar made a uh, gold statue, 90 feet tall. Brain just did not work for a minute. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue, 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. You're like, okay, random occurrences. Yes, it's a random occurrence. But we were looking at Daniel chapter 2 last week. And in Daniel chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar had a terrifying, disturbing dream that rattled him so much that it caused him to call all his senior advisors in and told them if they couldn't tell him his dream and the interpretation of it, that he would literally rip them limb from limb. And the limb from limb part isn't my exaggeration, that's the Bible. He literally said to somebody, I'm going to rip you limb from limb. And you're like, wow, that is aggressive, sir. The thing that terrified Nebuchadnezzar in his dream was a giant, terrifying statue, the head of it, which was gold. And so what Nebuchadnezzar did is he took the thing that terrified him and he built it in an attempt to control it. He built a giant golden statue of himself to impose his will and power on everybody else. Because often what happens is when something scares me or terrifies me, it is possible that I can become or I can build the very thing that scares me in my attempt to control or manage my own fear. Daniel chapter 3. He builds this giant thing, this giant 
tower. And he just says, hey, I'm going to call all my advisors, aides, everybody, all the staff together. Guys, staff meeting. Let's rally up like a Walmart chant. They all get together. And his, his, his advisor said, okay, the king's going to come in. And what's going to happen is the music's going to play. When the music plays, everybody just take a knee, just like, you know, in football, just take a knee. And it doesn't matter, like race, religion, whatever. No matter who you are, we're all going to bow down. And we're going to bow towards King Nebuchadnezzar and the golden statue. And uh, so Daniel's not there for whatever reason, but his three guys are Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, known in this uh, case by their Babylonian names, which they don't embrace, but is put on them by others, known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, I think those are some solid sounding names, though we've learned earlier that those definitions are the worst. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are there in this moment. The music starts playing, and everybody bows down and closes their eyes, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are like, I mean, everyone's eyes are supposed to be closed, right? <laughs> it's kind of like here when at the end of service, I'm like, all right, everyone bow your heads, close your eyes, and there's that one person that's like, <laughs> and then I'm like, bow your heads, close your eyes, like, oh. You know, same kind of thing. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Mingo, they just stand there. They're like, listen, we're not bowing to you. We're not bowing to anybody else. Our whole life is built on not bowing. We're following in our language. We're following Jesus. So listen, this whole bowing to another God, especially a man, not going to happen, bro. So what happens is while all these guys are kneeling in the power stance and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are standing, one of the other guys, one of the coworkers in the office does one of these. Because what the advisor also said was, everyone's going to bow when the music plays, but if you don't bow, they're going to throw you in a fiery furnace. Now, this is an extreme culture, okay? I don't know, like, insubordination, death by fire. It's just like, is there not a write-up? Is there not, like, like a, a process for us here? Uh, so this other guy, this other advisor is, like, peeking when he should be kneeling with eyes closed. And he goes to the king and he goes, hey, king, didn't you say that anyone who, is, uh, who didn't bow to you should, is going to be burnt in a fiery furnace? He's like, yeah, totally, bro. <laughs> and he's like, well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego just thought I'd let you know. Now, not only is he a rat, this guy, but think about this. In Daniel chapter 1, 18, we, we know that when uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel went before King Nebuchadnezzar, that they were found to be 10 times more capable than anybody else. So this is exactly what happens. Coworker who's mad that he's better than they are at the job, opens his eyes while he's supposed to be kneeling, closing his eyes, then runs to his boss hoping he's going to find some kind of promotion while watching his arch nemesis in the office who he's always trying to measure up to burn in a furnace. He's like, instant promotion. Now, you got to be some kind of heartless, like, cold-blooded guy to burn somebody alive. This is what happens. They go, okay, well, let's grab them up. They grab Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, they, they bring them before Nebuchadnezzar, and he says this in 315, I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of musical instruments. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God, this is where he screwed up, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar. Notice, not king. Anyone notice that? O Nebuchadnezzar. Next time you get into a rough situation at work, just be like, O Nebuchadnezzar. We did not defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown, or we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make this thing clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. You know what that looks like because it's that moment when you're on the family vacation and your little brother asks one more time, are we there yet? And your dad's like, I am pulling this car over right now. Face is distorted with rage, right? It's like pure anger. You've all seen this. You've experienced this. Now, the only time this language in the Bible is used, uh, in other translations, it says that his countenance changed. The only other time that the countenance changed was when Moses went up and encountered the presence of God, bringing back the Ten Commandments, and his countenance changed to the point where he was glowing because he was in the presence of God and had to wear a mask or a veil because people were freaked out that Moses was glowing in the presence of God. Same thing happened to Jesus when on Mount Transfiguration when he goes up and he has a little powwow up in the top of the mountain with Moses and Elijah. Jesus comes back and he's glowing. Everyone's just glowing. Now, all those times are positive when you encounter the presence of God. Your countenance literally begins to change. So I'm going to allow you to draw your own conclusions about what's happening in Nebuchadnezzar when his face is distorted. And one clue is that he did not encounter the presence of God yet. Evil overwhelms his heart and his pride got the best of him. So he cranked the heat up seven times. Now, that's super hot. <laughs> Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego are interesting guys because they seem like tag-alongs to Daniel a little bit. Now, it seems that way because Daniel wrote this book. So, like, if Seb wrote his book, I would be his tag-along this entire time, even though we know that's really not true. Uh, <laughs> the same thing is true with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys were in this together. They were a posse. They were a crew. Everyone helped each other out. They were, they were survivors. They were possessed by an enemy who took over their country, slaughtered their relatives, and then put them through university. So it's kind of a weird thing, and they had a lot of emotions going on. They were 15 years old when this goes down. So these guys, I mean, they're just at the right age where they think nothing, like literally, they're, they literally think they're invincible at this moment. But I think it's that same kind of invincibility that runs through the bones of guys like, let's say, oh, this other 15-year-old that we know named David who went up against a giant because he's like, listen, if my God is for me, who could be against me. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego roll up to King Nebuchadnezzar. They go, oh, you slipped up when you said which power can overwhelm your power because if my God is for me, who can be against me? This right here, my friends, is the definition of a game face when you're about to die in a fiery furnace 
which sounds like my own furnace at home when it's 24 degrees feels like death. I can't even imagine what might happen if you cranked up a literally fi- literal fiery furnace. It's feeling even more overwhelming like death. But what we have to understand uh, when we're looking at this idea of brave face, game face, is that the choices that we've made when the heat is off determines how we respond when the temperature rises. I'm, I'm, that was so good. I'm just going to say it one more time because I don't feel like it's nine and you got it. The choices you make when the heat is off determines how you respond when the temperature rises. Do you want to remember back? Let's Okay, this is fake, but let's try this one more time. Everyone's going to get into it in the same degree and level because the choices you make when the heat is off determines how you respond when the heat rises. <clears throat> This one's not making it to the internet. Um, think about with me for a moment Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. The beginning of this narrative. But Daniel, and really Daniel writing time as a crew, they decided not to defile themselves by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. The thought process that led them not to kneel did not start with the furnace. It started with the food. And you're like, the food seems so inconsequential. Wow, it's nine. Uh, Inconsequential. Even when we talked about it in week two of this series, I I felt this general vibe of, I don't know why food is so important. Because it was never actually about the food. It was about the areas of my heart and 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 my identity that I'm willing to compromise. They said, listen, the food, like the names were one thing, but we're not eating your food because your food is sacrificed to other idols. And according to their scripture, according to their understanding, with their following Jesus, they have to know that if they ate that food, it was like they were worshiping another God or it was like they were taking a knee before a golden statue. So the same thought process, the same uh, place of faith in their hearts, in their lives was the thing that caused them to eat veggie platter only even though the charcuterie looked amazing. They ate the veggies and the cantaloupe and the honeydew, but they left the rest. I mean, not too much pineapple, you know? Um, They left the rest, and they flourished, and they were ten times more capable. Why were they ten times more capable? Because their hearts and minds were set on following Jesus. They determined in their heart that no matter what the circumstance, whether the heat is down or the heat is up, whether the pressure's on or the pressure's off, they are the same person inside and out in every situation. The question is, am I the same person when the pressure's off and when the pressure's on? Is my faith the same when the pressure's off, when the pressure's on? Do I live the same way? Do I walk? Do I talk do I breathe do I exist in the same manner when the walls are coming in or when the walls are going out the truth is my faith in Jesus is not circumstantial it does not depend on the things that are happening around me it depends on what I have purposed and decided in my heart so they tied them up and they threw them into the furnace fully dressed in their pants turbans robes and other garments I don't know why that's an important detail in Daniel 3 21 They tied them up, threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. So just in case you're wondering, yes, they were wearing turbans. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. (laughs) 
I don't know what kind of heat kills somebody when they're throwing somebody else in. <laughs> like that, that is a fire and a half. I don't know what kind of furnace that is, but these people be dying when they get close. Like cooked alive. But suddenly, verse 24, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them in the furnace? So they must have, like, also, I don't know what kind of technology these guys have, where they have a window that is strong enough to keep back the heat that would kill people getting close. So must have been an opening and watching at a distance. I don't know. Maybe someone who knows science can give us an explanation on this thing, but it's unbelievable. He says, didn't we tie up and throw the three men into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. Probably the rat being like, yeah. Yeah, dude. He says, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Uh, just note to Nebuchadnezzar, the fourth is a god. <laughs> His name is Jesus. And in the midst of the fiery furnace, when Nebuchadnezzar said, I don't even know what kind of god could come and save you from this, Jesus is like, I know a guy. And he shows up in the midst, unbound. So I don't, were they having a conversation? Were they hanging out? Were they roasting marshmallows? I don't know what they were doing in the fiery furnace, but they were just hanging out for a while. What was the end game? Jesus is just like, all right, guys, let's just hang out here for a while. Let's just, just hang out. Anyone want to sit down? No, it's hot. He's like, no, it's not. <laughs> God showed up in the midst of the fire. Now, I think we got to remember who we're following here. There's four words that I want to leave with you to close off this Brave Face, Game Face series. These talks. There's four words. And I believe if we take these four words and if we put them into practice, that you will find that no matter what the situation or circumstance you are in, that your faith is strong. And just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I think the thing that we also have to observe is that they said this to the king, but uh, our God, whom we serve, is able to save us. God is <coughs> mighty to save. Our God is mighty to save. It's an old Hillsong song. But even if he doesn't, which is where that faith moment comes in in verse 18, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Just to be clear, he's able to, but even if he doesn't, we're still worshiping the Lord, our God. Four words. Are you ready? Four words that can change your life. Run, follow, run, repeat. Run, Follow, run, repeat. Say it with me. Run, follow, run, repeat. One more time. Run, follow, run, repeat. <clears throat> I'm just going to leave it right there. No, I'm not. I'm going to explain it. Run. The first thing we have to do is we have to run to Jesus. 
That's the very first thing. We determine in our hearts that, that we're running to Jesus, that we've, we've tasted, we've seen, we know everything else that's going on. We've decided that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. The first thing that we do, if you want to 10 times your life, if you want to increase your faith levels, you need to run to Jesus. You need to make a choice that his ways are higher than your ways, that you're not going to lean on your own understanding, but you're going to put all of your trust in Jesus Christ. And if you do that, you move on to the next step. The first step is I run to Jesus. The second step is I follow him one step at a time. You're like, I've heard this before. I know because you're not doing it yet. We follow Jesus one step at a time. Psalm 37, the Lord directs the step of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. And though they stumble, though you stumble, you will stumble. They will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand because he is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Anyways, nobody knows the song. It's fine. We have to bring it back. Okay, that's enough. We can don't need the same. We're on a time span here. We run to Jesus. We follow him one step at a time. The brave face simply looks like me choosing to run to Jesus and then to follow him one step at a time. It also means that in many areas of my life, I actually live throttled or bridled. Like, oh, I don't like this idea. Remember that Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and I'll give you rest. He also talks about putting my his yoke on you, which is like this thing that hooks you up to tow a wagon and you're like, he's like, but my yoke is easy and the burden is light. You think that you live your best life now when you're a wild horse running in the field, roaming all over. The truth is you live your best life now when you choose to consciously follow Jesus and follow his plan, purpose, and direction for your life. What we do, the number one mistake most Christians make is we get one word from God, one thought from God, which, by the way, congratulations for getting a word from God. It's amazing, but the most important thing is that's supposed to happen all the time. But we get one, and we're like, this is what I'm doing with my entire life. And he's like, um, no, that's what you're doing right now for this moment, this season. But we build our whole life around it. And then we get mad four years later when it doesn't work out the way that we intended it. And God's like, told you so. So we run to Jesus and then we follow him one step at a time, never outpacing the one that we're following. Because when we run to Jesus, when we follow him one step at a time, we find ourselves running into our destiny running into the future, running into what he has for us and what he holds for us. Hebrews 12, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Philippians 3 puts it this way. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. If you want to have a faith that works no matter what your circumstance, no matter the situation, if you want to live a life that's, that's bold and brave, 
like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who he said, my God is able, but even if he doesn't come, it doesn't change my faith. If you want to have an unshakable, unbreakable faith, my friends, four words, run, follow, run, and when you get to the end of the process, repeat. Run, follow, run, repeat. I run to Jesus, follow him one step at a time. If I do those things, I'm going to run into my destiny. And when I've come to the end of that season, I repeat the process again. I build a faith and a trust in Jesus that's unshakable because I'm not defined by what goes around, but I'm defined by who Jesus says I am. You've been listening to The Engage Life, powered by Engage City Church. If you like what you heard, check out engagechurch.ca.